1: Cherry something with some birds there it could be beautiful, could be amazing, or it could be another edition of Filmically Perfect on 913 WYSO. It could be that and a great deal more. I'm Nikki. Go ahead. Those are
0: baby chickens in there. Don't get attached to them. That's all we can tell
1: you. <laughs> I'm Nikki Dakota, your host of Film Lookly Perfect. And uh, I'm so pleased to welcome into the studio uh, the film guys. And uh, here from uh, the Library of Congress with the largest frame brain arriving uh, as a friend of the show and an amazing uh, perspective into all movies. He is uh, our friend and George and George, welcome.
2: And today you can call me El P. Guapo.
1: <laughs> the handsome chicken also uh, on your chicken. radio, right? It is a uh, storyboard artist to the Cohen brothers and friend to all the big stars. And hey, lucky us, friend of the show. He is J. Todd Anderson.
0: Otherwise Welcome. known as Lupe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, at you not called Haibo. We'll take haibo. a... Oh, my goodness, Pedro. this film.
0: Haibo Busco.
1: Oh, this film. This is... Uh, 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 we
0: bring to you one of the most insidiously bleak films that we've ever done. hmm <laughs> And we blame it all on Louis Bunuel, one of our favorite filmmakers. Yep.
2: This is the film. His Actually, this is his kind of his breakthrough film. This is the film that made him Louis Bunuel.
0: And when I was in uh, New Mexico, not to be confused with Mexico, as they say on... <laughs> the newer version. The license plate say New Mexico, USA, just so you don't get <laughs> confused down there. Land of enchantment. Um, one of the, the, <laughs> yeah. the store that I purchased this disc from that I hadn't seen in a long time Um the person that ran that store said this is probably the greatest film ever made in Mexico. That's the way a lot of people look at it down there. And Bunuel
1: a Spaniard, but this film made
2: in Mexico. In Mexico, Mexico. about Mexico. Right. And the title is Los Olvidados, which translates as either the young and the damned or the forgotten ones or mm-hmm. there's several different variations
1: mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's several, there's a lot of uh, texture and subtext to that notion. But Mm -hmm. definitely these, uh, it's a film that focuses on the, the poor youth. And I'm assuming Mexico City? Yes, in yeah. Mexico City, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly forgotten, mm-hmm. these the, the, these uh, poor young Nothing children. is held back in this picture. Oh. Uh, the,
0: the complete truth and honesty of poverty is revealed to you right before your very eyes. And sometimes some of the uh, mean and reasoning on how it happens is in this
2: film. Right, and there, um, there are scenes in this film that I would actually call reprehensible there there are horrible scenes in this movie one
1: comes to mind uh, as soon as you yeah. say that we'll get beyond, to
2: later beyond beyond uh, oh. but but they have to be there because this is this is the way it is and i think buñuel because he was so passionate about this issue of these street children i mean he wanted to show the absolute squalor and ugliness of their lives and what you know and just how they are They're running on their own. They have nothing to fall back on.
1: This movie was made in 1950, and and does it reference that time frame? I don't have a good... Uh, It
2: doesn't by by date, but I mean by... It is a contemporary film. Mm. Uh, You know, it it looks like 1950 in Mexico City by the cars and the way people are dressed and, and that kind of thing.
1: Well, let's take a moment to remind us all that these films have to pass a very stringent, rigid set of tests. This is not something that comes to the film guys in a dream, and it's just easily placed upon the list. At first, they must pass the rules, and gentlemen, those rules are. I'll tell you, this movie
0: it creates a world it exists in because it's right, right in front of your nose every day, and you just don't realize it.
2: And it wholly sustains that world, regardless of changes in society.
0: It retains its meaning and entertainment value to this day.
2: And Los Olvidados will never be placed in any kind of preferential or numerical order. It is perfect within its own scale.
0: And, you know, we can really... There's not too much argument on this picture. It's perfect.
1: There's something else we need to add.
2: Indeed. We have to start out with the old warning of spoiler because there is no way we can discuss this film without talking about the ending. And we can't upstage the ending, no matter how hard we try. We just yeah, can't do it.
1: even though we're going to talk about it, seeing it will seeing it be is. an experience. I mean, now, there's nothing. In some ways, we can't spoil it. It's it's so good.
0: We'll yeah. get right into this before George gives the summary. Um, there was a I was warned about this picture uh, by the Cohen brothers, of all people, that there was a cartoon ending on this. It, Don't get the
1: one with the cartoon
0: ending. It's a metaphor. It's not really a cartoon ending. But it's cartoonish. Just, but it was a happy ending. It was like. Not, it was yeah, a hopeful ending. A hopeful, ending. a hopeful ending. There has some some um, there's some redeeming value in this. But if that ending, if it would have been released with that ending, which it wasn't, it was it won the Cannes Film Festival in mm-hmm. 19...
2: 1951. Yeah,
0: if it would have been released with that film, with that ending, it wouldn't be a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this this highly principled director would not be. Uh, we couldn't look back on him as, as much as we appreciate him now.
1: So, the sad, tragic, completely depressing ending was originally shot and the movie was considered done, but someone asked him because it was so
2: bleak. The to- producer. Oscar Danzigers asked him, you know, he said, I have put so much into this film. Can you please, you know, throw me a bone? Give me something. And when
0: he says that, he's, he's, he's probably talking about his financial risk on the yeah. film. Sure, yeah, because
2: Danzigers had already put money into Bunuel's films. One of them had been a huge failure and was probably fairly expensive. The second one was more successful. But this one, I have a feeling, you know, just by the look of it, it looks like a lot of money was expended on it, probably a lot more than was normally expended on films made in Mexico. Uh so, I'm sure Danzigers was probably you know looking into his pockets and Saying sure. you know you got to throw me something here. It's
1: worth reminding listeners that uh, Boone no, suddenly i not, it's not saying it properly. Boonewell. uh is a contemporary yeah. and friend of Salvador Dali and yeah. also did our perfect film that we reviewed. Um,
0: Exterminating an Exterminating Angel, an angel. Very which is which bizarre. is it's easy to make fun of that film because there are there are hoity-toity people and uh, now this one has all the tragedy of a house fire. It really does because <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's not like that film where you can sit around. Kind of you gotta laugh and,
2: at the at the yeah, rich people and their their follies, you know, and using fancy vases to use the bathroom and closet and that kind of
0: thing. But
2: <laughs> no, this yeah. one, you know, yeah, kid probably is using a bucket to you know take a dump in the closet, but it's because he doesn't have a choice.
1: We're talking about Los Olvidados, the 1950 film from Well, and uh, it's a big job and a tragic task. But George, will you give us a, an idea of the arc of the action?
2: Yes, the the story concerns a small group of boys. Um, in the middle of Mexico City, and they are in. They live in absolute squalor in these backer road neighborhoods. And it's always interesting if you watch the film. In the background, you can always see a, There's like a highway with cars moving along, or something you being can, built. Right, structure. You can see the city of Mexico City, the, the skyline in the background. But these these people have nothing to do with that. They are scrapping day by day, hour by hour, trying to find something to eat, trying to stay alive. And it focuses on two boys, um, the one who is sort of the self-styled leader of this little group whose name is Hybo. And you later find out that that's not his real name. He doesn't know what his real name is. I mean, he is an animal of the streets. He, he has no parents. He has no idea who his parents are. He never even, even – there's a discussion he has about kind of maybe sort of remembering his mother but just almost like just in a, a dream. It was just a face yeah. when he was – yeah. And he never mm-hmm. knew who his father was. Yeah. The other one is a, a young boy named Pedro – Uh, Who the film really focuses on. And he uh, lives with his mother and siblings. Although she really wants nothing to do with him. And you kind of act. I mean it's really interesting the dynamic with his mother. Because you realize after a while that he was her first child. She was 14. He was possibly the product of a rape. Mm -hmm. Um, She does not know who the father is. The father is not there. Um, she lies to someone about the father being dead five years, and then Bunuel cuts to like a you know six month old baby sitting on the bed. It, so it's, every interaction
0: with this kid, is, she spurns it.
2: It's yeah. so tragic. And she wants not, She really so yeah.
1: sad. And it's probably because of the rape. I mean, I'm imagining the psychology of the movie that mm-hmm. because it it was a rape, and I definitely got that. I, I that yeah. I definitely inferred that. Um, that. Uh, so maybe there's that wrapped up in there, but it's just heartbreaking to see right. this little boy not just reach out and you know with little gestures, but he even says, "Why do you not love me? Why will you never kiss me? Why do you not say you love me
2: in fact um so although sad. this 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 little clip here is in Spanish um this is the scene where um Pedro comes home uh and his mother is cooking dinner, and she's actually gotten a, a pot of meat to make for dinner, which is like obviously a, a very treat. special occasion. Yeah. And uh, and he comes in and she totally spurns him and says basically tells him, you know, look, you you're with those gang the gang out on the street, you just go back and spend with them. Don't don't come back here. Don't don't you're not part of our life. Go away. Any I don't excuse love will do yeah for this mm-hmm. one. So Any here ex- is a little clip from Los Olvidados.
0: ¡Qué milagro, señor! ¿Por dónde salió el sol? Por ahí, dando trabajo. Toda la noche, ¿verdad? ¿Y ahora qué has venido? Mamá, tengo hambre. Ya te dije que mientras anduvieras de vago por las calles, aquí no volvías a comer. Bastante tengo lavando pisos como bestias para darles de comer a mis hijos. Pero yo tengo hambre. ¿Los qué te dan de comer los vagos esos con quien andas? Descarado. <risa> a sin vergüenza. Te no me quiere. ¿Por qué te voy
2: a querer? Por lo bien que te portas, <laughs> ¿verdad?
0: It's
1: hard to hear in there, but she's. He's, he's saying, why don't you love me? And she's saying, get on, get, go. Just, I just hate
2: that. Right. Well, the the second the second big thing that happens is now that Haibo, Haibo, you kind of get the idea, has been away. And when he comes back to the group, he asks them where uh, Julian is. And, and it turns out that Julian has basically turned him into the police and I, got him arrested. Was he in jail? I think he was in jail. In jail? jail or juvenile hall or something. perform like yeah. school. Yeah. And
1: Julian had, had, dis- had, had radically him, him going, yeah.
2: yeah. And and when you see Julian, Julian is like the one of the group that doesn't like play the games that the group does. And actually the the main scene you see him in, he is sort of rescuing his drunken father and and helping him out. And his father's very belligerent, but but Julian's love for his father you know, changes his father at that moment, anyways, and the father says he'll never get drunk again and that that he can't believe how much Julian takes care of him. And that we he's do ashamed. see him drunk later, but we do see him drunk provoked. again later, yeah. But so, anyways, um,
0: but always one thing to remember at this point when Julian makes his appearance is that usually in movies, when you see this character, he kind of saves everybody and rescues everybody and gives you redeeming hope throughout right. the picture that's going to haul the movie. But he gets eliminated very early in this picture. Right,
2: because um, Haibo is wanting to know where Julian is, and he finds out, and he goes to visit him. Julian works at, like, a pork crackling plant. They're making cracklings from pork skin. Uh, and um, he goes along with Pedro to see Julian and ends up killing him. He, he whacks him in the head with a rock and then beats him to death with a big piece of wood. He doesn't know that he's beat him to death. He just gives him a beating for ratting on him. But they find out, you know, in in the next scene that the kids come running up. Did you hear? Julian has been killed, and they realize, you know, they got to do something now. They got to take off. So Pedro
1: had nothing to do with it. He tried to actually get him to stop, but he was there. So we do
2: have a clip on that. Um,
0: It's very Darwinian. This this little scene here, survival of the fittest here. So this
2: is the killing the killing of Julian.
1: And we'll hear. Ahí bo, doing it, and we pile here Pedro asking him to stop. Right.
0: Yeah. Bueno, Andre. Qué خير. Tiempo que no nos veíamos, ¿verdad? Por mí, ¿para qué me llamas? Quería platicar contigo. Pero no aquí, donde quieras. Pues vamos. Bueno, ya caminamos bastante, suelta lo que sea. O solo quería recordarte el año que pasé en el bote gracias a ti. ¿A mí? ¿Seguro? ¿A poco no fuiste tú el que me denunció? Si hubiera sido yo, te lo diría. No, crees que tengo miedo. Yo no denuncio a nadie. más quería advertirte que a mí el que me la hace me la paga.
1: Eres es puro hablador. Vienes a amenazar
0: porque sabes que no te puedo pegar así. Más que te libres, y regresa. Y verás qué tranquila te pongo. ¿Y tú? Si me vuelves a traer más recados te rompe el hocico.
2: I'm sorry that the the sound quality and that is so bad, but this is one of the problems with older films, and especially some foreign older films, is they have not been well cared for. And and Plus this they is... didn't have
0: the budget that a lot of Hollywood stuff has that we do from 19, 1950. Their budget was a lot lower than Hollywood at that time, sure. right?
2: So, anyways, now now both Pedro and Hybo are kind of on the run from the cops, especially Hybo. Pedro is just feeling massive guilt over this. He goes home again. He has this really bizarre dream.
1: Bizarre and tragic because the mother loves him. Right. The the mother loves
2: him in the dream. But Hybo comes back uh, from under the bed and is, you know, stealing the meat that the mother gives him.
0: Very symbolic, And there's chicken
2: feathers. And the the
0: chicken is actually flying in this dream. Right, the chicken
2: flies down out of the... Because
0: most of the chickens in this movie represent, they're like birds that don't fly, which are very synonymous with the kids in this movie. Oh, Mm -hmm. kind of And and they take the brunt. They take the brunt of the torture and the punishment very much the way the children do, only they take it viscerally. Um, only in selected instances do the kids get it, but the chickens really get it through this movie, and they they do that all the way from chicks and eggs. They deal with eggs. Deal yeah, with that's they, right. Everything is in this like uh, this state where they're, they they can't be protected a lot of times, uh, and the children are very innocent in that respect too.
1: That's why I love that. filmically perfect. <laughs> See, and I watched this movie and really enjoyed it. But thank you, that gives a whole another context, a little little thread hey, that's woven Lee, in there.
0: Lloyd was always good about channeling frustration, guilt anger into into smaller objects uh, beings and he right. does this through surrealistic kind of episodes
2: well, It's kind of like the the sheep wandering around yeah. the big house in, in exterminating angel
0: right you know? I mean so you just can't <laughs> just sit there and expect to watch this film you're going to have to get in there mm. and kind of like go deep with
2: Buñuel
1: he and he and Salvador Dali probably spoke a lot about all this going in at this
2: point probably not oh, i think they had, had a they falling out, out? they yeah. had a falling out by this time yeah um but anyways Pedro, at this point, after this dream, he decides he's going to clean up his act. So he goes out, gets himself a job with a with a blacksmith who who's making knives. And it looks like it's you know he comes back, he tells his mother, and his mother almost loves him at that point. Yeah. When he tells her, "I'll bring you, I'm going to bring you seven pesos this week." Yeah. And she's yeah, she's she's not throwing him out. She lets him sleep in the house. Oh, so, well, thanks mom. Keep, while, in ma-
0: keep in mind there he's he's forging steel. He's here. forging steel. Yeah. He's trying to bend raw steel into implements that work and what does he do? He turns them into a knife mm-hmm. and the kids instantly attracted because that's what we're doing. We're forging these kids through this whole film. Yeah.
2: So what what happens, you know, like I said, poor Pedro, of course, everything there's always a left turn for him.
1: Hybo, Hybo shows, shows up, up and at, the, it at the
2: up. at the thing to just kind of, you know, Hybo's keeping an eye on Pedro because he doesn't trust him. He thinks he's going he's going to get ratted out again. Hybo right. doesn't trust anybody. Right. And so and Hybo Ibo steals this fancy silver-handled knife.
1: That Pedro does not see him Pedro do. Pedro does not see
2: him do. But when the owner of the shop comes back, he, of course, he immediately uh, thinks that Pedro has stolen the knife. Now, Pedro finds out that they're after him about this, so he takes off again because he knows he has no way of, of you know, he, or at least he feels he cannot proclaim his innocence. Nobody's going to say, yeah, he's a good right. kid.
1: Who? Not even he his mother. He takes off
2: down the road. He goes to another, probably another part of Mexico City. He ends up working on a carousel pushing the carousel like a galley slave.
1: Notice what this is. A merry-go-round. The kids get on. And then other little less other little fortunate kids. kids. There oh, is no. also
2: one scene that is just grueling, and there's no dialogue music. I mean, it's very quiet, where he's looking in a window, and this this very well-dressed middle-aged man approaches Pedro. And Pedro's a very attractive little boy. He's very, sweet, very Sweet, sweet face. Cute face, you know. Handsome. And, and this man walks up and starts talking to him and kind of touches him and offers him money. And they're going to walk away again. And all of a sudden, the man just kind of puts his hands in his pockets to walk away. And you see a cop come up. So, you know, he's so now he's, some sinister now purpose involved. This shot here, this this. shot
0: that George is talking about lasts almost three minutes long. It's mm-hmm. one locked down shot. It and does you're looking
1: not into his eyes and you can see that and he's looking into this glass. other world. You're behind
0: glass so you don't have to be contaminated by what's going oh. on. There. And you don't hear
2: anything. You That's know. right. And you play you know, crazy I mean, music, you know, in you know, there. Um, so
1: he goes for one last. He has one last opportunity.
2: He comes home again. And when he comes home this third time, he's confronted by his mother, who does think that he's stolen the knife, and and he almost he almost hits her with a stool. I mean, he's really angry at her, and she's like, "Could you do that?" And she convinces him to go to the police, and he they go there, and they he ends up you know getting taken to the police, but they can't convict him because they don't have any proof that he stole it. But they offer to send him to a state farm school to be taught something, to be taught how to read, and to be taught a trade. So he unwillingly goes because he really doesn't have much of a choice. And he, what's
0: he doing at this school? He's sucking eggs.
2: Yeah, you he, know? he gets he's they, starting they, all over again. He's they put him to work eggs. in the chicken pen, and he's like, <laughs> he's because again, he's he's hungry, and he's he's cutting a hole in the egg, and he's sucking out. And the other boys tell him to stop
1: because it, it, it basically it's a business where there's he's you know, stealing they're, eggs, They're minding he's, he's the ruining chickens the to eggs, sell them. and
2: they're like, we need that money, you know, for for stuff here. And he gets into a big fight with them. The kid, other kids, lock him in the chicken pen. And in anger, he lashes out at them with a stick. And when he can't get at them, he turns on the chickens and begins killing the chickens.
1: Which – I'm telling you was real. They couldn't make this no, movie today. that was, today. Probably that was real. They really hit those chickens with sticks. You couldn't make yes. this movie today. You couldn't, could you? Well, I mean, if you they got have some robotic are, chickens, so you, you can, could. But you know, well, you can... It, this
0: was... Oh, it was... That was You brutal. can sympathize with this kid. He's so frustrated because he's behind his pen and what does he do? He takes it out on the smallest living animal he's got close to. So
2: the, the director of the of the farm school takes him aside and says, you know, look. And he says, I know things are hard for you but I want to show you something. He says, you were not in prison. And look, the front door, the front gates are open. They're always open. You can leave whenever you want. And he gives Pedro fifty peso note, and and says, "Go up to the store on the corner and get me a pack of cigarettes and bring me back the change." That and you know, it's like it, it's an it's trust, you know, because he knows that's what the kid needs. He needs to be trusted. He needs someone who who will actually pay attention to him. So. Pedro, you know, at first kind of tenuously leaves the school. He can't
1: believe what's happening. Right, and
2: but when he gets outside, he's like, he starts cheering up, and it's like the music changes, and he's very happy. He gets around the corner. And then... There's Haibo. Haibo. And Haibo takes his money. That guy.
1: <laughs> I tell you, I really hate him. Well, that's I, and, great. I don't you know, that's people. why he's such it's a right. rare. That... That's
0: That uh, picture's only as good as <sighs> villain, and Haibo's the perfect example.
2: Just that's... Just awful. Uh, and you find at this point that Haibo, not only that, Haibo has started a, a relationship with Pedro's mother. Get and then out. you see why the
0: problems are happening because uh, of something that transpires in the film. And the most bizarre sequence is the kids run out to see dogs dancing in dogs the street dancing. with the music that we started. Right. Start yeah. And you see this guy that's really bored, he's out there like training these dogs, you know, to make a living and behind the door, the problem is starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And o-
2: along with it, one character that we haven't really talked about, who's like a sort of like a almost like a muse character, is this the old blind man, man who like does a one man band act, and uh, he gets abused by the uh, by the kids, but he kind of takes in one of the kids who is abandoned by his father in the square, big eyes, big eyes, and uh, but he's mean to big. Don't eyes. worry, you start to hate him. too. Yeah, slaps around just big eyes. Uh, he's a lecherous <laughs> a girl who brings him milk. He, he's lecherous a... with her. And, uh, and, and big eyes at one he's point a picks mean, up a bad and blind the milk man. we might have had his burrow milk yeah, burrow milk <laughs> you know oh, and then the, then very one
0: very, point, very surrealistic looking shot of him sucking on the burrow
2: tit. The little boy, his, big yeah, eyes
1: actually so. nurses, but you get the feeling he had done that in yeah, El barrio boy, before he came boy. in. So ultimately
2: ultimately it comes to the end, all these things have happened and it comes down again to Haibo and Pedro and uh, and Pedro, is, takes off again because he has he's still on the run he ends up in a hayloft in this old abandoned building and who does he run into he runs into hybo who is also sleeping in this building
1: and has decided that uh pedro must must die, because must die because he
2: knows he's gonna rat on him so he actually he's just gonna he, take care of that little he, item he basically whacks pedro with a with a metal bar and pedro falls in the hayloft and Haibo jumps down and just beats him to death
1: as he did with Julian.
2: And then as as Haibo makes a run for it he is he's caught by a couple of uh, Mexico City cops who, who gun him down. So he's dead.
0: And then the, the saddest saddest oh. shot of them all. The
2: saddest shot is that the, the barn where all this takes place actually belongs to some friends of Pedro. They find him dead in the barn and the grandfather says we can't You know, we can't tell the cops. They'll never believe us. They think we We to get They'll think we did it. We got to get rid of the body. So they put the body on the burrow that all the milk has come from. They put a couple of sacks of grain over the body. They take it out. And at the last thing, here comes Pedro's mother looking for him. Finally. And they pass by.
1: But he's all covered up. He's all covered up. They can't see him.
2: They go out of town to a dump site, a landfill dump. (sighs) And they take the the grain bags off, and they take poor little Pedro's body, and they throw it down, and it rolls, it rolls down into the down. garbage, and then the end. Roll end, and that's the end of the film. That's the
0: end of it. But you know, when when Jay Hybo, uh, when he is run down by the cops and killed, the blind man oh, yes. is the blind man is over there saying, "Good riddance," and it's all he's almost. It's almost like a cycle of mopping up. Yeah, and as he's laying there dying, the Louis Bunuel, uh, surrealistic. Patterns of his artistry come forth, and what he he hears his mother calling, mother calling to him, Aww, and you so see this sad. dog
2: on this path the mangy dog coming, you know, and as he's dying. This is our villain, our villain, and the and these and you hear Haibo going, "I'm alone," yeah. and the mother says, "Yes, as you always have been." And then he dies. I was <laughs> really so it's sad.
1: Yes, Yeah, the movie's so sad. Now yeah, very good. Hybo,
0: the, the the key to Haibo's character in this movie is that he has a certain amount of elixir and charm. There's something, the kid's a handsome kid. Mm-hmm. If things said
1: only broken, and you can't help but think it a couple different ways, yeah. you know, at any and number he is of able points, to, he might to pretty not.
0: much talk you into just about anything because he's so slick mm-hmm. and so charming. He has a beautiful smile. But he's only driven by one purpose, and that's survival. And the only survival he knows is by any means, any means. Yeah. And he has this survival incredible animal. power over people, and he can just, he can just. Take what he wants through charm, through force, through brutality, and he's very, like I said, he's very Darwinian. He's a survival of the fittest, as a street dog. Mm-hmm. And then, but if he
1: had just a few different breaks, don't you think see, he would have the, been an exceptional human being? If he being. had a
0: few different breaks, that's because you're kind of charmed by his character. Sure. That actor is really good. George looked him up, and he's done a lot. Yeah, Roberto
2: Cabo,
0: uh, and he's still in the in the uh, in the little thing they put in the movie at the end. That you you know he's still
1: alive.
2: No, no, he he passed a, away in two thousand. But you see him
0: He's yeah. very proud of his work. Burke, and he still mm-hmm. kind of shines with that character he has in the movie. He's he's one of those actors that are touched
2: and blessed with a really good now, gift. You know? Before we run out of time, I'm
1: telling you what we haven't even talked about how yeah. beautiful this movie is.
2: The film the film is quite beautiful even in the in the bad looking prints that are available. It is really an amazing film. But what's really that we have to talk about is the reception this film got when it <laughs> came out in Mexico City. It ran for six days. That was it. Ran for six days because
1: nobody wants to hear it.
2: And and, or see it. and that was it. I mean, it was like a disaster. And then it went to Cannes, and and Buñuel won best director, and it also got nominated for like the grand award of the festival. And then they ran it again in Mexico, and it was a big hit. But the Mexican populace, the government, and some of the the press, they did they, again. They wanted Buñuel. Deported, And he'd become a Mexican citizen by that time. But oh. they wanted him thrown out because of this awful film. They said, how could he say things like this? How could he, like, you know, basically he's, he opened the closet and let all the skeletons out. And, but, you know, it was true. And it's. You know, there's nothing more, you know, awful than telling the truth about something. I have a
1: suggestion at this point that we take a show and we just look at the work of Bunuel, the work <laughs> in. Well,
0: we are planning director shows for the next one. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's. Michael Curtiz, is... Lee Bunuel, all our favorite directors, Frank Capra. So well,
1: let's look forward to that and we can talk a little bit more about the amazing images beyond the very notable and deeply impression-making uh, story that was involved here. It's the filmically perfect film, guys. We've been talking about Los Olvidados, the 1950 film of a Spanish director filmed in Mexico that has just dimension upon dimension every time you consider it. So the, obviously the rules, way, way good to go. Right. And still more to
0: come. Hey, we're still looking at the same, com- same problems
2: more than 60 ever, years later, More man, than ever. and
0: it's right in front of our face. It's just very obvious. It's
2: that old elephant in the living room kind of thing.
1: I hope that one day Rule Three does fail for this, but it seems like it might just never, huh? Nope. George, thanks for being here today.
2: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
1: J. Todd Anderson, we love your mind. I'd love to see you. Thanks for being here.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs> Adios.
1: <laughs>